0: The party is finally over for U.S. consumers who really are cracking here. Banks are slamming the door shut on consumer credit. A whole host of recession warnings that continue to get stronger and louder. In fact, retailers and businesses throughout the U.S. economy, really the global economy too, they can see what's coming. From just a few days ago, here's what Bloomberg reported. After staving off recession for longer than many thought possible, the U.S. consumer is finally about to crack, according to Bloomberg's latest Markets Live Pulse survey. More than half of the 526 respondents said that personal consumption, the most important driver of economic growth, will shrink in early 2024, which would be the first quarterly decline since the onset of the pandemic. Another 20% said the reversal will happen even sooner, in the last quarter of this year, 2023. So very sobering data on U.S. consumers to go along with this survey, anecdotes, stories from retailers and businesses around the economy that are telling us the one final pillar to the soft landing. Remember, we've got three of them. We've got Europe that was going to survive last year, survive the recession, recover in 2023. That's not happening. Recession that's already happened in Europe is getting worse. We've got the Chinese where enough said. China yuan, the economic struggles are clear enough there. What's left us with basically US labor market. Strong labor market therefore strong consumers and strong consumers mean soft landing, resilient economy, all of that. But if consumers are starting to go and the labor market is becoming more questionable because of everything that we've seen in the global economy, globally synchronized actually happens, where are we to put our put anything on the soft landing scenario. There's more data, there's more stories, cyclical warnings of plenty here today, but first, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University, and you may have noticed that I'm not in my usual place. I'm actually in Leeds in the United Kingdom, attending a conference, the 35th annual uh, conference for the European Association of Evolutionary Political Economics. And I'm here at this conference presenting one of the keynote speeches for our panel sessions, which are devoted to the global dollar system. See, I'm not just some talking head on YouTube talking about macroeconomics and occasionally some monetary stuff. I'm actually presenting the Euro dollar story to a group of academics, trying to get them to understand what it is that we try to get everyone else to understand through YouTube and other means. Putting my words where my mouth is, that kind of a thing for most of the mainstream focus, it's always on the Federal Reserve and bank reserves. And maybe they should start looking at the monetary system. And by monetary system, we mean the Euro dollar, not just the university here, but to get university professors, get university scholars to go deeper into the Eurodollar store because we believe there is a lot to it. So thank you again to the European Association of Evolutionary Polit- Political Economists or Economics for, for sponsoring this conference and inviting me to, att- to attend and give a, pre- a presentation and a speech on the topic of the Eurodollar system. I'll let you know how, how it all works out. But back to where we were with the U.S. economy. And the U.S. economy is increasingly in much trouble. Let's go back to Bloomberg last month of talking about retailer reports Uh, who were talking about consumers not living up to all the excitement. Walmart, Target, and Home Depot all topped Wall Street's profit estimates in the second quarters, which ended in late July. And that way, at least, the results reinforced the picture of a resilient consumer after U.S. retail sales last month beat expectations. Talking about July. But there were signs of weakness for retailers, too, and executives were at pains to share their worries for the rest of the year. Consumers have yet to regain their appetites for big-ticket items and non-essentials, and that dragged down sales at Target and Home Depot despite their better-than-expected profits. In addition, executives warned that new pressures such as rising interest rates and student loan repayments could take the wind out of consumers' sales during the second half. And it may seem like that there are new winds here, new headwinds or new, new pressures on consumers, but the are really... It's the second part of the same pressure, the second part of the same story. Last year, 2022 in particular, all the way through to most most of the year, all, all the way to the end, consumers in the U.S., as well as around the world, and businesses too, in large part, they were pressured primarily by prices. Prices just hammered most people. Incomes didn't come close to matching price increases, especially for basic necessities. So that left the economy, as Mr. Stephen Van Meter and I talked about this weekend, that left the economy in rough shape and ending 2022 and beginning 2023. But we had this lull in the downturn, almost a rebound in some places. In some places, it was actually a rebound. Where disinflation combined with a relatively steady labor market, labor hoarding, businesses continuing to hold on to workers, not just mass laying them off in mass as they might might have in the past, instead labor market labor hoarding plus uh, disinflation, especially in oil and gasoline prices, some food prices too, meant that we had a little bit of a reprieve, a reprieve for a little while there, until that nominal slowdown that was working in the background, that's the pressures that we get this year, unlike last year. The disinflation itself, which is somewhat of a positive, actually is a negative. As we've been saying all along, it isn't good news that the quote-unquote inflation is disappearing. That's actually the bad news that the global economy, in nominal terms, is actually slowing down too. And now we have to face the consequences where we no longer have those nominal tailwinds, because they were tailwinds initially, keeping spending and labor markets and business revenues and retailers all happy at the same time. So we have the first part of the slowdown, which was prices hammering everybody last year. Businesses were okay holding on to workers because nominal receipts were growing. But then, That eventually led to volumes declining all, all throughout, but also nominal decreases taking place now, which is something we're going to see here in the data. And that has led to a very different set of circumstances where we still have slower volume growth, lower activity, but no longer the same types of tailwinds. In fact, the tailwind has flipped all the way around and has become itself a headwind. So let's get to the data here. We've got the stories from retailers. We've got Bloomberg's survey. We've got another survey to talk about, and this one is from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Their consumer price survey, but more than that, this month in particular, for the month of August 2023, income estimates from among consumers. Most people pay attention to the consumer price expectations because they want to evaluate the situation as far as consumers are concerned because of how, it might, uh, might, how we might be able to interpret what the Federal Reserve is going to do. We're more interested in the macroeconomic factors, which consumers are a good source of information to give us some clues about what they're seeing that maybe we don't see in certainly mainstream reports and interpretations of economic data, but maybe insight into the real economy from their perspective overall. Where it comes to consumer prices, we can start there. Consumers are still not seeing a resurgence of price expectations or quote-unquote inflation. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's recent consumer survey, the median one-year price change was 3.63% in August 2023. That's up only fractionally from July, 3.55%, and still much lower than June's 3.83% in May, which was 4.07%. The new the noteworthy part here for August is that is it's not that consumer price the median went up from July but how little it went up despite the rise in gasoline prices in particular some food prices too. So we've seen prices go up but price expectations didn't really move. Now they did in the, in the, the internals or details of the survey we see that consumers are expecting somewhat higher gasoline prices and other costs but those are being balanced out by disinflation if not deflation in certain parts that we don't pay much attention to that is being picked up in these aggregate statistics so again an increase in the month of august but not really as much as you would expect given what happened in energy prices and we look at the longer term uh, consumer price expectations the three-year median rate or the median rate for price expectations three years forward that was 2.79 percent in august down from 2.91% in July and 2.95% in June. That's the lowest, actually, for the three-year median since March. And it's about the same as late 2020 or 2017, early 2018, or, if you prefer, the middle of 2019, the last time before the pandemic, we were talking about inverted curves and recessions and disinflation there, too. So longer run consumer price expectations have actually dropped down again, despite the rise in gasoline, which echoes in some part here what we've talked about recently in TIPS, that is lower or at least diverging consumer or market price expectations from WTI and oil. Maybe consumers are getting the sense, like the treasury market, that this latest rise in oil prices, it's not going to end well. But as I said, the biggest part here is consumer income expectations. According to the Federal Reserve Reserve survey, income expectations, the median for income expectations one year ahead for the month of August, 2.94%. That was after 3.19% both July as well as June. That's the first time the median fell below 3% since August of 2021. And the reason why, and this might be the most important part of the entire survey, the 25th percentile, that was down to 0.86%. So the lower income quartiles, the lower income quintile, yeah, quartile under 1%. That's not good. But the, again, the biggest part here is the upper quartile. The 75th percentile went from what well, fell to 5.58% from 6.47% in July, but it was 8.37% as far back as December. So you've got almost a three percentage point drop from December through August. And that's the upper ends of the income expectations, which is consistent with everything that we said here. The nominal economy is slowing, which means nominal incomes are slowing, which means what retailers are telling us about the nominal economy. So we've got nominal income slowing. We've got consumers that we know are uh, exhausting their savings. We, I mean, we've been talking about that a long time. And so that leaves at the margins for spending those who don't have the incomes, consumer credit. And consumer credit, according to statistics from the Federal Reserve itself, are flashing a serious recession warning, especially non revolving consumer credit. Total credit in the month of uh, the past three months, actually, so we've got May, June, and July, total consumer credit. The monthly changes in the seasonally adjusted data have been alarmingly low. The type of cyclical indication, recession warning that you see consistent with cycle changes and recessions. Um, We see total consumer credit actually was negative. The monthly change, the seasonally adjusted monthly, monthly change was negative according to newly revised data for the month of May. Negative, outright negative in the month of May, and then in June it rebounded by just 14 billion. In July, the latest uh, update, the latest monthly figure, just 10 billion. So three straight months of incredibly unusually low consumer uh, consumer credit increases. Just to give you a reference, last year in November and October, total consumer credit grew by more than 30 billion, almost 35 billion in both of those months. So from 35 billion down to an average of around six, seven, maybe 10 at the most, that's a huge change. One of the reasons why is credit cards. Revolving credit in the month of May uh, increased, the, the seasonally adjusted balance increased by just a billion. In June, it was actually negative, unusually. Minus 871 million. And then July, we had another increase, but 9.6 billion. Typically, it's been around 10 to 15 billion last year in the first part of this year. So, a slowdown, a dramatic slowdown in revolving credit. So, another potential cyclical indication there. But the big one on top of consumer income expectations, consumers' non revolving credit balances. Again, seasonally adjusted monthly changes. For the month of May, Initially, the Federal Reserve had had estimated that non-revolving credit increased by $8 billion in May. Now they think it fell by $8 billion. So again, May shows up as a big negative month and potentially a real trend change here. Uh, The monthly change rebounded in June by almost $15 billion, which is not great, not a a huge number. And then July again, although uh, non-revolving credit increased by $772 million, that's basically flat. And as you can see on the chart that I'm showing you here, the six-month average has fallen to just $3.7 billion. That's the lowest six-month average since 2010. And more than that, the six-month average, which shows pretty clearly, a dramatic shift. Um, the average was around $17 billion back in November. It started to slow down at that time, and it really fell off starting in March and April, which is not coincidence, not rate hikes either. So we have a dramatic slowdown in non-revolving credit that you can see is absolutely consistent with economies heading toward recession. So we put all these things together. We've got the slowing nominal economy that that, that consumers are picking up as really slowing income potential, especially at the top ends of the income spectrum, but also problems at the bottom ends. We have consumer price expectations that remain solidly anchored, if not still disinflationary, despite the rise of gasoline and energy prices. And we've got banks that are slamming the door shut on consumer credit. They've been doing it more and more since last September, October, and November, which showed up consistent with our curve changes, as well as many things around the world, including credit crunch in Europe and other places. So it's a consistent picture of an economy shifting toward where consumers running out of options to maintain that third pillar behind or underneath, really, the soft landing. Europe heading toward recession, China's a mess, and now we can ill afford consumers to finally have cracked. If you wanna see more about good cyclical indications, I've got it at the video link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me here in the UK. Thank you again to the EAEPE, and I'll see you all again next time. Take care.